It is finally time for us to stop all the talking, all the projecting, all the chitter chatter, and get down to playing some football, man. We're glad to have you here. This is the People's College Football Show. It is Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023, the last one in history. So we're going to make it a great one. We're glad to have you here. We have a lot of y'all that are new for college football season. Welcome. We talk college football here every single day. Today is no different. We got a lot to jump into. Before we get into the college football season, there's going to be a lot of narratives that are thrown around, a lot of things that are said throughout the midst of this, I guess, four-month stretch as we get rolling here. I want to make sure that before all the noise turns up even more, we kind of take a second as a college football community and just get aligned on some things, some things that we got to make sure we stick to in the midst of all of the smoke and the fog that gets thrown our way. That'll make a little bit more sense as we jump into that. But I just want to make sure that we're all ahead of the game here before the game tries to get ahead of us, if you catch my drift. Now, for this season, there is going to be massive ripple effects sent all over the place. No way around it. It's the way it is every single college football season. I mean, this year will impact your next three to five years, depending on which program you are. But I want to be a little bit more specific here. Which teams could be considered powder keg teams and what I mean by that is which teams should they have a good season could potentially just explode trajectory wise the rest of the way I got four of them for you so we'll break that one down and then we actually released here at on three our preseason true freshmen all Americans Charles Power in the group here for us here director of scouting and rankings does a phenomenal job there's a full list over at on3.com and on the socials over at on3 on on Twitter we're still calling it Twitter I'm not calling it x Full list over there. I want to highlight some of the key guys that I was intrigued with and think that we need to all be on the same page as we get into college football season. Speaking of freshmen, or rather, I guess, high school players that are going to be freshmen this coming season, I want to, there was no real easy segue there. Ohio State's on the roll in the recruiting show right now. They just landed Edric Houston yesterday out of the state of Georgia from Buford High School. Dude is an absolute dog. They're going to have some guys on the defensive line in that 2024 class want to break down the impact of that and just where things stand with Ohio State right now because they are recruiting like a program as we say around here Reggie Bush versus the NCAA sounds like he is set to file a defamation lawsuit against them this is just the next installment of Reggie versus the NCAA it's time we give him back his Heisman Trophy can we all get a line there we'll break that one down just a little bit more as we get rolling here so glad to have you here if you have not yet subscribed would encourage you to do so again we talk college football we talk only college football. There's a lot of other shows out there that are phenomenal, have nothing bad to say about them. Sometimes you get college football plus X, Y, and Z. That's not the way it is here. This is ball and only ball. You got a lot on your plate. Have some of y'all telling me you're listening while you're at work. Some of y'all are watching while you're at school. Whatever it is, however you're joining us, we're glad to have you here. Kick them up. Only an hour of college football right now. That's all we're doing. So everything else can just kind of be put off to the side. It'll get here when it gets here. We're just talking ball. Let's jump right into it. As I said at the top of this show, there's going to be a lot of noise throughout this college football season. Some of it good, some of it not so good. It's just kind of the nature of the world that we're living in. But before we get to the season, I think it's best for us to get aligned on a couple of things that could maybe have some murkiness around them as we get into this 12-game slate. Like there's, there's going to be a lot of narratives sold. I mean, it's narrative season right now, and that's only going to amplify as we get into the season but I want us to make sure that we, we cling to some of these truths, if you will, as we get rolling into college football season. So the first one that I think we need to get aligned on, a lot of opinions on Texas. 
the hot topic is, is Texas back? Is Texas not back? If you've watched this show for any length of time, you know how I feel about that. You know how we feel about that as a whole. I think it's kind of an incomplete question. But whether Texas is back or not isn't the issue. Texas may or may not be back, but in 2023, Texas is for real and Texas is dangerous. The reason why, they have a quarterback who we all understand wasn't consistent 100% of the time last year, but there was enough there in specific moments to make you say, okay, they got a guy in Quinn Ewers there. They, they got a guy who can get it done at the quarterback position. I mean, remember where we were all at when he was just absolutely doing whatever he wanted against Alabama. There, there was a period of time there where he was the leading passer in that game, and he was out in the first quarter, and it was the fourth quarter. He was still the leading passer. So when it comes to Quinn Ewers, I don't think it's a question so much of can he. I think it's a question of will he. So when we talk about Texas, I just want to make sure we're all aligned that are, are they back? Are they not back? That's not really what, what's important. Texas, for real, Texas is dangerous. They have more wide receivers than any defense will be able to match up against. Can they take advantage of that? That's the big question. But they're going to give everybody problems because of the talent they have offensively, what they bring back on defense. There's a lot of people right now as we get into prediction season, a lot of, t- a lot of shows are, are given out there, you know, preseason predictions. And you know that we did that a little bit ago. Texas is in in a lot of people's college football playoff for a reason. They're very, very dangerous this year. And the difference in this Texas team versus other Texas teams is the depth and the continuity. I want to start with the depth. Texas, there's a lot made about how talented they've been in the past. I'm not here to talk about that. I mean, they're talented right now, but they're not just talented at one position group. They're talented across the board, and they're deep across the board. You hear Steve Sarkeesian talk about his football team from this past scrimmage they had this past week, and he's like, listen, when we go ones versus twos, it's hard for me to tell the difference. And I don't think he's just saying that to say that to kind of give us something to chew on before we play games. I think he genuinely means that. Steve Sarkeesian also has seen it done at the highest level. He was on that staff at Alabama that won a national title. He knows what it looks like to be at the mountaintop. Now he's trying to do it as a head coach. But I think there's something to be said there that Steve Sarkeesian knows what he's looking at. The depth there is very, very real. I had someone tell me this is one of the deepest teams they've had in the last decade. So they feel good about where they are throughout the course of a season. They feel like they're built to last year. The continuity piece of this, this is now the third year of Steve Sarkeesian's culture. So, so much made about Texas and the culture and what they weren't previously in the 5-7 and seven season. And then Bo Davis ran on the bus, like all that. Now you're in year three. If you don't have it together by year three... I don't know what to tell you. I think at this point in time, there's some good faith baked in there with, with what they've done in terms of a positive trajectory from the last couple of years. So bottom line, Texas back or not back, I don't know, but I promise you they are for real. And if you don't want to take them seriously, I think you're going to learn that the hard way when it comes to Texas. So that's the Longhorns for you. Other thing we got to get aligned on here, uh, aligned on here rather. Uh, let's be careful with Georgia. Let's be careful with how we define them, especially early in the year, because Georgia going for a third national title. They won the last two. The expectations, the hype, incredibly high, as it always is around Athens, Georgia, for a reason. That brand carries some weight. We understand that. But Georgia is breaking in a new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator. So I want to make sure we allow a little bit of time for Georgia to mesh. So if Georgia doesn't look like they are going to go win a national title in September, that's okay. Give them some time to acclimate. If they're in October and they're still kind of playing with their food a little bit, that's all right. Don't worry about it just yet. Because if you turn your back on this dog in September, October, it's going to bite you in November. 
Like we kind of saw that last year too. And they weren't breaking in new pieces at quite as much as, as they are this coming season, offensively at least. I mean, think about the game against Missouri. They had to have a comeback effort to win that game against Missouri. Kent State. Game was never really extremely close, but you kind of looked at a couple of scores on the ticker and you're like, man, why isn't Georgia pulling away from these guys? What's up with the dogs, man? Let's wait till we get to that game November 11th against Ole Miss and that game at Tennessee November 18th. I think at that point in time, then you can define what Georgia's going to be as it pertains to national championships and winning the SEC and all that. Be careful with the dogs. Don't define them September, October. Let this thing marinate a little bit. We'll see where they are in November. Notre Dame may be the most impactful team in all of college football when it comes to the college football playoff race for a couple of reasons. They play three contenders, three teams that all have college football playoff aspirations and are very much so in it, according to Vegas. You got Ohio State, you got USC, both in South Bend, by the way, and then they go to Clemson. All three of those teams looking to hoist that trophy. There's two ways that Notre Dame will have an impact here. One is they just crash the party for any of those teams. Like a lost Notre Dame, whether it's their first or their second, it's going to impact the way that they are able to obviously sit on Selection Sunday. Think back to what South Carolina was last year. They played spoiler against Tennessee, played spoiler against Clemson. South Carolina, they didn't compete for a college football playoff berth, but they for sure had an impact there on what those teams weren't able to do. Same situation for Notre Dame and what they could do this year. That's one option. The other thing, the way that Notre Dame's built I don't think it's unreasonable to think that we may look up in November and see Notre Dame sitting right there at 12-0 and 0 and ready to go to the college football playoff and sitting out conference championship weekend. They're built in such a way where they are more balanced. They got a lot of key pieces back on defense, in my humble opinion. I know you lose Isaiah Foskey, but still, I think they're going to be good on defense. Sam Hartman was brought in to elevate them to college football playoff status, like period, the end. That's what they play for at Notre Dame. You're not playing for conference titles. You're playing for national titles because they don't, they're not in a conference. That, that, that is what the expectation is. That is what the standard is in South Bend, Indiana. Marcus Freeman understands that. That's why he brought in Sam Hartman. So they're going to be more multiple offensively as opposed to how run-heavy they were last year with Drew Pine coming in and playing quarterback for them. And for Notre Dame, man, I'm, if they do end up going 12-0, there's somehow, I think, this narrative around Notre Dame that because they're not in a conference, their schedule is easy. And like, I just want to make sure we're aligned on this. Y'all are probably already ahead of the, the ball game on this. So just make sure you let the other people know that just are just now tuning in the college football, Ohio State, USC at Clemson. Those three games, I promise you, are as tough as anyone else is playing in the country. They're, they're, their schedule is as tough as anybody else is in the country. So if they are sitting there at 12-0, and 0, when it comes to Selection Sunday, they will have earned that college football playoff berth. Regardless, though, the impact of the Irish will be enormously high. I want to go to Alabama really quick. There's a, there's a narrative around Alabama right now, and we talked about it a lot on this show. So if you're, if you're just kind of tuning in right now and, and getting familiar with us, we appreciate you being here. But there's a narrative around Alabama that they are on the decline because Bryce Young was there last year, Will Anderson was there last year, and they couldn't even make the college football playoff. What's up with Nick Saban, man? What are they doing? Lost to LSU, lost to Tennessee, could have lost to A&M. Like, there was a lot there for Alabama last year that just didn't look very Bama-like with how much talent they had. And so going into this next year, people are saying, man, has Saban lost his touch? Is Bama even going to be a factor? Who's playing quarterback? They're in the 120s in terms of returning production. Just because this animal is going to look a little bit different 
does not mean it can't still eat your face and smile about it. That's what Bama is right now, man. And I think there will be a little bit more validation to some of the objections people have to Alabama this coming season if they did have that same staff in place, if it was going to be the same approach. Those two coordinators last year, Bill O'Brien, Pete Golding, they're gone. They are no longer there. It's now Tommy Reese on the offensive side. It's Kevin Steele on the defensive side. Bottom line, the philosophy is shifting in Tuscaloosa. It's going to be run the football, make you say uncle. To quote Tyler Booker, we want to make people quit. That's what they're doing offensively now. They're getting back to bully ball. And you look at what Alabama has in-house, these two ingredients are good enough for me. I understand it's not proven. I understand it still is going to maybe take some time to get totally acclimated, but these two things are good enough for me. One, they've recruited a top two class every single year since 2019. So the talent on that roster, second to none. All right? Other thing, you got the greatest of all time as your head coach. You have those two ingredients in-house, I would not look past Alabama. In my mind, Bama is absolutely still Bama. If you want to overlook them, you want to write them off, that's fine. We got them in our college football playoff. So Bama is still Bama. Different animal, same beast. If you catch our drift there. Last one I want to talk about here. I think it's very important for us as we head into college football season to go to your local Publix, Kroger, CVS, a lot of good people on the West Coast. And then you have Albertsons major market, make sure you stock up on all the caffeine of your choice. Some of y'all are coffee people. Maybe you're an energy, energy drink person. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you go caffeine pills. Nothing wrong with that. No judgment. We'll talk about that during another show, I would imagine. There is a lot of really good football that will be kicking off at 10 p.m. Eastern come this fall Saturdays. Want to know why? Because the Pac-12 has a lot of really good football teams. Caleb Williams and USC, I mean, speaks for themselves. I, I think that Caleb Williams, to be real, could very much so just jan sport that USC team, backpack style, all the way to the college football playoff, even if the defense doesn't improve. And I think they will improve, but even if they don't, I think he's good enough, should he stay healthy, to just propel them to the college football playoff. Utah, I mean, they speak for themselves as long as Kyan Rising is able to, to be healthy. Back-to-back Pac-12 champions. Oregon and Bo Nix, like, a huge what-if factor with them. What if Bo Nix picks up where he left off and Dan Lanning continues to build that defense? Like, I didn't even talk about Washington yet, arguably the most prolific passing attack in the entire country. There's a perception around the West Coast and around Pac-12 football for a couple of reasons. One, people don't stay up to watch it. I know y'all do, so I appreciate you doing that. Let's bring everybody else around with us. One, people don't stay up to watch it. Two, you just look at the records and see, man, they had a, a two-loss champion. They had a multiple-loss conference champion. Golly, just shows what you can do in the Pac-12, man. Just throw them in the Pac-12, and they'll be good to go. The perception is you have a multiple-loss champion, and you somehow have a weak conference. Whereas I think the opposite is true, at least for this year for the Pac-12. If they have a multiple-loss champion, it'll be because they are scarred up, beat up, battle-tested, and found their way through a really good conference. I mean, if you have a bunch of just MMA fighters in the cage and just going after each other, and the dude who walks out of there has, you know, black eye. Maybe he's got, you know, a bloody eyebrow. Maybe he's just looking exhausted and beat up. But he walks out. You wouldn't say, man, he must, uh, he must not be that great a fighter. He looks beat up. Well, yeah, because he was in the cage with a bunch of other crazy people beating the crap out of each other at 10 p.m. Eastern. Let's stay up for Pac-12 After Dark. Probably the last year as we know it to be real. A lot of caffeine that should be consumed right around 9 central, 10 p.m. Eastern. Appreciate y'all 
getting everybody else on board with us. We got to get aligned on these things. So I, I appreciate you helping us align the rest of our college football family into these different frames of mind. So that's kind of what I think we should be aligning as we roll on here into college football season. Like I said, a lot of volume, a lot of noise, a lot of opinions, a lot of things being said. Just important for us to all be on the same page as we get rolling here. So want to make sure we also mention this, that the hard count is brought to you by the good people over at Bird Dogs. Now, Bird Dogs, I've mentioned them a couple of times on this show because they're phenomenal and they bring us, they bring us to you rather. Bird Dogs are two things extremely comfortable, right? Which is priority number one for us as college football fans. When you are either at a game, standing all day, you're on your feet at the tailgate, then you're either in the student section or at your season ticket spot, wherever you are, you got to be comfortable. All right, we don't have time this fall for us to go back and change at the car or heck, drive home and get a different pair of shorts on. Like we can't do that. Breathable fabric, all right? Stretchy, feel good, look good. You can work out in them and then wear them to the tailgate. That's the kind of versatility we're working with here with bird dogs. Other piece of this, man, they look good. You're not going to show up to the tailgate and be that guy that gets the, what are you wearing? Because we, we all know that's one of those things that happens on game day. You walk up to the tailgate and you're like, man, buddy did not get the memo. It's unfortunate. It's sad, but it's true. And it's kind of the way that things go every Saturday. Don't be that guy. Rock some bird dogs. You'll be good to go. Use promo code JD at checkout. Get you a nice little hat. Okay, I promise you this will keep you nice and cool during the tailgate and during the game. But also... Just looks good. So appreciate you locking in with us and appreciate Bird Dogs making that happen. Again, redeem code JD over at birddogs.com at checkout. Get you one of those hats. Good deal. Everybody's happy. Let's keep on rolling here now. Mentioned it a little bit at the top of the show, but every single college football season has massive ripple effects. Just the way that it goes, it's unavoidable. It is the reality of college football season. What you do one season will impact future seasons. But I think there's a couple of teams right now that are teed up to do some really exciting things in the future, but a lot of it hinges on having a good year in 2023. And those teams I would label powder keg teams. Rather, who is set to explode in 2023? That's what I want to hone in on here. And it, it doesn't mean necessarily they're going to win a national title in 2023. It means that doing well in 2023 could kind of ignite the fuse and cause everything within that operation to level up tremendously based on what they do in 2023. So a lot of this, a large part of this, just to kind of preface, is recruiting centric. Because we understand now development is a big part of this. Having a proof of concept is a big part of this for recruits. So just kind of keep that in mind as we move throughout these teams right now. And with uh, us previously mentioning the good people on the West Coast, let's go to the West Coast. Let's talk about Oregon. As college football with realignment and all that, whether we like it or not. I think college football is becoming a more of a, a national sport. You got Oregon moving to the Big Ten. You got USC moving to the Big Ten. You got Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC. Like, I think these conferences are intentionally trying to stretch their reach across the great United States. And as it becomes more national, I think that favors a brand like Oregon because we've talked about it here. Oregon, the way that they recruit... You don't just go to your backyard and go grab the five-star that's in Portland, Oregon, or Eugene, Oregon. It may happen every couple of years. It may happen you know, every other year. But the reality is for Oregon, for them to be successful, they got to go win in the DMV. They got to go win in Southern California. They got to go win in the Southeast. Like Oregon is a national brand, and they have made their money. They have made their bet in recruiting being a national brand. 
And so for them, they got a dynamic recruiter as their head coach in Dan Lanning. He is a guy that gets it through and through. He understands we got to have the best players to compete with the best teams. They are prioritizing that. The other part of that, like I said, national brand. How about Nike? How about the swoosh? You don't think that plays a factor right now with them going forward? And last year, I think provided a little bit of excitement for different recruits saying, oh, wow, hey, Oregon's doing something over there. Hey, I can go to Oregon and accomplish what I want to accomplish. I can go there and play a fun style of offense again. I think what Dan Lanning has right now is starting to churn. If they were to go out and win 10 games in 2023, go win the Pac-12, especially as they head to the Big Ten, and with this top 10 class they already have from 2022, I think that could just ignite what's going on in Eugene right now. Dan Lanning, I think, is one of the best coaches in college football right now. There's a reason he got that extension. Moving to the Big Ten now for Oregon, they're going to be one of the halves as we move into the new era of college football. Would not be surprised at all if they explode with a good season in 2023, and then that just continues to skyrocket going forward. So Oregon, absolutely a powder keg football team. Really quickly, would appreciate you all to, one, subscribe to the YouTube channel because we talk college football and only college football, and we want you a part of this, all right? Don't want you all to miss any shows, any content, so that's the first part. Also, a great way for us to stay engaged here, if you could follow me on Twitter, I'm not calling it X, I'm calling it Twitter, and on Instagram, same handle, at JD Paquel. We're doing some content there that we're not necessarily doing right here on the live show, so we'd love to incorporate y'all into those. And also a lot of content from there, we get opinions from y'all and takes from y'all and put them into the live show. So a great way for us to kind of keep this whole community tight. So thank you in advance for that. South Carolina, another powder keg team, man. And for them, it is all about ensuring for recruits that what they've done to this point under Coach Beamer is just the start. Because I think that's really what it is for South Carolina. I mean, we've seen the Shane Beamer effect already on the recruiting trail, landing two five-stars. They got Dylan Stewart in this 2024 cycle. Still has to sign, but they've got him in the boat right now. And they got Nicholas Harbor last year at the last minute on National Signing Day. And, I mean, he is a, a generational athlete, if nothing else. So you're starting to see some of these top guys with options saying, hey, actually, I do want to go play for Shane Beamer. I do want to be a part of what he's building at South Carolina. I've said this before. I think people are just looking for an excuse to play for Shane Beamer. And that excuse that he's giving them is what they did last year. Not one, but two top 10 wins over Tennessee and over Clemson. In both of those wins, they were double-digit underdogs. And Shane Beamer, I loved what he did after the game. Grabbed the mic, or I guess he was given the mic as they're storming the field and He's like, listen, we're not just a good story. We are for real. I'm paraphrasing. That's essentially what he said, though. And I love that because I think that's exactly where the money has to be for South Carolina and Shane Beamer. If they can continue to prove that, they go out and, and have an 8-9 win season, they could boom. They could boom. I would not be surprised at all if we saw them just skyrocket up the recruiting ranks. So I think, again, Shane Beamer, great recruiter, prioritizes it, and I think people want to come play for South Carolina. I truly believe that. So keep an eye on them. If they have more success in 2023, I think you settle a lot of the questions people could have about how for real South Carolina is, and that thing could just take off quick, fast, and in a hurry. Let's stay in the SEC now. Let's go to Tennessee. The Tennessee Vols, I think, are one of the most fascinating teams in the entire country. Obviously, at had a hooker last year. Jalen Hyatt, I think he's still catching touchdowns against Alabama right now. Just caught another one. Good for him. They exploded last year on the field. And you saw some dividends, I believe, on the recruiting trail with what happened with them this last cycle. But for them this coming season, similar to what I was saying about South Carolina, I think it's about proving it again. 
having another moment you can package up and take on the recruiting trail and say, hey, come be a part of this. We want you here. We want you on Rocky Top. And if you come here, you're going to experience more things like this. That experience last year, the win over Alabama. Even if you're not a Tennessee fan, you saw them throw those goalposts into the river. You saw the absolute sea of orange on the field. And you saw that environment and that experience. And I think most college football fans that aren't you know, Alabama fans and maybe don't just hate Tennessee with all of their might. If you're an indifferent college football fan, you're kind of just watching that. You're like, man, that's what it's all about. That is a cool experience. That is a unique atmosphere that is specific to our sport. And if you're a recruit, you're saying, man, that was like a good time. Want to be a part of that. You heard Josh Heupel take the mic after that game, and you're like, that's a guy I want to play for. So if they can beat a Georgia or an Alabama, they don't got to beat both. But if you can have one of those, if you can slay one of those dragons again, I think that would just push the brand up even more for Tennessee and solidify, no, 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 no. This is a real thing now. Last year wasn't just a great year because we had Hennon Hooker and we had Jalen Hyatt. Like, yeah, we had some good players, but this is a thing that's going to continue now. And if you're a recruit, we want you a part of this. We're going to be a top-tier SEC team. Heck, we may already be. We want you a part of this. So proving that again, I think, is crucial for them. It's all about proving for them, I believe, that they're not sacrificing anything, recruits that is, by going to Tennessee over a Georgia or Alabama. You can accomplish all you want to at Tennessee. That has to be the message. You can win how you want to at Tennessee just fine. And when that happens, if they start stacking classes, look out now. I think Josh Heupel is also one of the best coaches in college football. If he gets rolling out with some proof of concept, it's going to be trouble for the rest of college football. So I'm excited to watch all that play out. Florida State, last team here. Unique opportunity for them right now. Because now you add in another Power 5 team, and we'll call it Power 5 for now. We'll see what happens with the rest of these conferences. But you add in UCF to the mix in the Big 12, potentially a Power 5, Power 4 conference, however you want to slice it. Florida State right now is the top dog in the state based on what they did last year. And Mike Norvell, historically, has made his hay through the transfer portal. Went and got some guys to help them right away because the operation he took over was not ready-made to go and win football games. So he was piecing it together with sticks and glue, getting who he could through the portal and making it work. Now, with the success they had last season, you've seen some carryover to where they are on the recruiting trail right now. they got a top-five class right now at the time of us being live in the 2024 cycle. So for them, if they can establish themselves yet again as the top team in the state of Florida, that is going to just pour gasoline on what's going on that will just ignite the fuse even more from what's going on in Tallahassee right now I'll say this too for Mike Norvell I think he's on a bit of a timeline and not on a timeline in the sense of oh he's on the hot seat he doesn't win this year like we all understand that's just absolutely not true they just extended him I say timeline in the sense that you have Miami and you have Florida that have second year coaches going into this year second year coaches didn't have the season they wanted to have last year probably but I don't think either of those schools with the resources and with the individuals coaching those football teams, I don't think they're going to stay down. I think they're building their way back and they're going to be a force in college football yet again. When? I don't know. But I think if you're Florida State, you have the high ground right now. Like, hey, let's capitalize. Let's make the most of this if we're Florida State. Let, let's make sure that we solidify ourselves as the team in Florida. Because if you're the team in Florida, guess what that gives you access to? All the top recruits in the state of Florida. It at least changes the way you have that conversation. You say, we have proof of concept. Come be a part of what we're doing here. 
You don't have to wonder, can you do it at a school like one of these other schools in Florida? Like, come do it here. Be a part of what we're doing. Be a part of what we've done and what we're going to do going forward. And if you get the talent in the state of Florida for how rich that state is at the high school level in terms of talent, like, that would be crucial for them to be able to be that team in the state. So for Florida State, got the high ground right now. Got to finish the deal, though. Got to finish the deal. So this coming season, should they win the ACC or be another double-digit win football team? Heck, make the college football playoff. I think they would uh, be very, very happy to live in that world with the Knowles. So Oregon, South Carolina, Tennessee, Florida State, all four teams that I think, should they have a good year in 2023, are set to explode going forward. Powder keg teams, man, I'm telling you. Teams that are, are set to do some really good things going forward. Appreciate everybody tuned in live as we always say thank you. Uh, if you could like the video, our goal is to get over 100 likes before we get off the air. So if you could click that thumbs up button right under the picture, everybody would do that right now. We'd be well over our goal. So thank you so much in advance for that because I have tremendous confidence that y'all will already make that happen. Now, if you have been keeping track in the Twitter sphere, you saw that the on three Twitter account, we released our preseason true freshman All-Americans. Now, we don't have time for a whole segment to go through every single player. That may be something we do going forward where we unpack these show by show because we, quite frankly, we, we could highlight everyone. We're not going to right now. I want to unpack a couple of these individuals that I think are extremely intriguing and, and I think are going to have a really big impact this coming season. Obviously, we think so too. Does Charles Power and the rest of the team here to put them on the preseason true freshman All-American list? But a couple of names that I want to jump into the first one being five-star Francis Malagoa. Six foot six, 315 pounds. It's a right tackle at Miami. And we talked to Mario Cristobal this offseason. Got him on the Zoom. Hey, coach, how you doing? Going to be a quick interview. We appreciate you making time. And this is all before we hit record. And he tells us before we even get going in the interview, hey, we saw how y'all rated our linemen. He's speaking again of Francis Malagoa, the true freshman they brought in. He goes, you were absolutely correct. And so... That should tell you how they feel internally about Francis Malgo and what he's going to do at Miami. He showed up day one. He was a starter day one. The level of competition he played against at IMG, it sounds like, has got him prepared for this level. IMG, obviously, one of the top programs across the country. And Miami's going to need some help on the offensive line. So they're looking to Francis Malgo to be an impact guy right away. 8% sack rate in 2022. It's good for 99th in the country. Allowed, excuse me, not allowed, but... They only ran for 112 yards a game last year. 106th in the country. Bottom line, they have to get better in the trenches. So they made some moves through the portal. And Francis Malagoa is starting as a true freshman. They're really excited about him. He's going to have a big impact this coming season. So watch out for Francis Malagoa. Going to do some big things at the U. Just going to just roll up on some people. So I'm excited to watch that. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you like the video. Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram, at J.D. Pacquiao. So appreciate you in advance for that. Let's stay in the Sunshine State. Eugene Wilson is also on this list. He's a wide receiver at Florida, 5'10", 180, silky smooth route runner. Charles Power loves his change of direction. And if he does end up playing to true freshman All-American status, that will be enormous for the Florida offense because it provides balance. And that's the big thing for Florida. They're going to be able to run the football, in my humble opinion. you got a backfield in Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson to where they're going to feed them the rock. And they should. They're two of their best players. But in order to keep defenses honest, 
You got to have Graham Mertz, one, be able to deliver the football. They feel good about where they're at with him internally. You got to have receivers separate. Ricky Pearsall, I think, is quietly one of the better receivers in the SEC. Eugene Wilson, should he have this kind of season, that would be enormous. Because then you can't just double a Ricky Pearsall. Then you got to pay attention to Eugene Wilson, too. Andy Jean could potentially do something going forward for Florida whenever he gets rolling at, at, in, in, uh, in Gainesville. You feel good about Eugene Wilson. He needs to have a big year and play to this level for them to be successful. So that's very big for the Gators. Peyton Bowen is a safety at Oklahoma, another five-star kid. Everyone you talk to around Norman, Oklahoma, says the exact same thing about Peyton Bowen. Hey, really talented, really athletic, really dynamic. And they always end with this kind of statement. It's going to be really hard to keep him off the field as a true freshman. Does he start game one? I don't know, but they're going to find a role for Peyton Bowen. He also played a really high level of high school football in the state of Texas, and he's so dynamic to where you can move him around on the defensive side of things. They talked about even putting him at that cheated position, which is typically like that hybrid linebacker spot, but in specific passing downs. So like, hey, third and nine, we know they're probably going to have to throw the football. Peyton Bowen, we want you out there to have an extra DB. So he's a guy that will play at some point in time, expect him to play early. I love the fact that he's in that safety room with Billy Bowman. I think that's going to be really great for him to learn from him. Peyton Bowen going to be a star in Oklahoma. And this year, the world will get introduced to what he's going to do. Stay on the defensive side of the football. Let's go to Clemson, South Carolina. Peter Woods is a defensive lineman, another five-star guy, six foot two, 315 pounds. You talk to people close to Clemson, and they talk about Peter Woods without the label that good for a freshman. Like, it's not just, oh, Peter Woods, yeah, he's, he's going to eventually be a good player. He's, he's a good player for a freshman. No, no, no. It's Peter Woods. Oh, yeah, he's going to do big things this year. Peter Woods, yeah, he, he's a good college football player, period. Not just good for a freshman. We love his explosive first step at the high school level. Uh, Alabama wanted him. Pretty much everybody wanted his services with what he was able to bring on the defensive line at the high school level. I mean, his, his, his high school highlight tape is just him demolishing people. For Clemson to get back to the college football playoff, I think it starts on the defensive line. I truly do. I mean, we think back to those Clemson teams that had Christian Wilkins. and I mean, we, we just go down the line with all the big-time players they had up front. I think that's the calling card for Clemson, and that's the separator for them for them to get back to the college football playoffs. So for Peter Woods, he's going to have a role in that. Expect him to have a big role this season for Clemson. Expect to hear his name called a lot in terms of him causing pressure, committing a double team, wreaking havoc. Disruptive, disruptive player. They're very glad to have him at Clemson and uh, expect him to have a big role. Last one I want to talk about here, and this, this made me very happy to see him on the preseason true freshman All-American list for us here at On3. At quarterback, Jaden Rashada from Arizona State. And Jaden Rashada had one of the most unique slash craziest recruitments that we've seen here probably ever. I mean, he was committed to Miami. He was committed to Florida. There was a, an issue with the NIL. He gets out of his letter of intent. And... You can't help but for, for Jaden Rashad, I mean, the guy's a high school senior and there's stories about him nationally in the NIL deal. And it's just like, man, that is a lot to have on your plate as a high school senior, even being a national recruit, even being a quarterback. Like that's that's more than I think most kids are asked to handle. And so you feel a little bit like, man, it's just a tough deal for Jaden Rashada. But as of yesterday, he was announced he's going to be the starting quarterback at Arizona State. He beat out Drew Pine, the transfer from Notre Dame. Now, Drew Pine got dinged up during camp. 
But regardless, Jane Rashada is going to be the guy for them. He is the second freshman to start at Arizona State. The only other one to do it, Jaden Daniels, who we saw what he was able to do during his time in Tempe and what he's doing right now at LSU. I would love nothing more for Jaden Rashada to be on this list at the end of the regular season. I would love to see him just go out there, deal dimes, have a several thousand passing yard season. Heck, maybe he gets on that all Pac-12 team. Like, I would love for nothing more than for him to go and ball out. Because you know what that would do? What's attached to his name right now is his recruitment and what happened with NIL. And if he balls out, it's just a footnote. It's just a fun fact about Jaden Rashada, as he's now known as one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12, one of the best quarterbacks on the West Coast. So I would love for him to just kind of dry erase all that, put that to the back, and for him to have a great season. So very encouraged to see him on this list. Extremely talented player, big frame, good arm. Like, you watch the tape, and that speaks for itself with the way that he delivers the football. So a lot of freshmen here that we got to talk about outside of just these guys. I didn't even mention Zachariah Branch. didn't even mention Caleb Downs, which we could also continue to talk about. But Francis Malagoa, Eugene Wilson, Peyton Bowen, Peter Woods, Jaden Rashada, all dudes that are on the preseason true freshman All-American list for us here at On3, and all names that just college football fans in general are going to get to know here very well in the not-too-distant future. Man, I'm telling you, that Jaden Rashada story as a whole, like I, I would, I, I cannot stress that enough. I would love to see him just do phenomenal things at the collegiate level and just put the rest of that behind him because there was... A lot being said, and the beautiful part is, it is now time for us to actually talk college football, all right? So we're talking projections and storylines, but now we're actually going to get to just talk about games that are being played and actually have, you know, actually have games that are, that are played on Saturdays. What a beautiful thing. Love to see it. Ohio State is cruising right now on the recruiting trail. Have the number two class in the on three industry team recruiting rankings, and they just landed five-star defensive lineman Edric Houston out of the state of Georgia. Now, this is their second five-star get on the defensive line. They also got Justin Scott, which shocked the entire recruiting world when he ended up giving his pledge to the Buckeyes. And every defensive lineman that commits to Ohio State, they say the same thing. It was exciting to play at Ohio State, great school, but the defensive line always talks about Larry Johnson and him having coached the Bosa brothers, and him having coached Chase Young, like the development that Ohio State has, the defensive line position right now, the calling card. I don't know if it's on par with what they have at the wide receiver position, but if that's 1A, this has got to be 1B. So the defensive line is, I mean, solidified, I think, going forward for Ohio State. I don't think they're done uh, in terms of recruiting top talent on the defensive side of the football they still have to get to National Signing Day, but they're rolling right now. The point I want to make here for Ohio State, they're going to have a great defensive line class yet again, and that is what wins you national championships. That is why Ohio State, when they get in games against Georgia, they get in games against, you know, insert whatever Southeastern Conference team here. Yeah, they've got the quarterback play typically. Yeah, they've got the wide receiver play. Marvin Harrison Jr. is an absolute freak show. But I think we need to talk about Ohio State a little bit differently because of what they have on the defensive line. And I know the last couple seasons hasn't been up to par when you look at those games against Michigan. But from a talent perspective, they are never going to be just overpowered on the defensive line. Now, there may be things where they have schematic issues defensively and they were getting comfortable last year in Jim Knowles' defense. I'm not here to make excuses for Ohio State. I'm just saying when you line it up with the Jimmys and the Joes, Ohio State will always be 
in that top tier because of what they have on the defensive line. Now, there's a depth thing to that as well. JT Tumaloa is going to be a dude this year. I think Jack Sawyer is set for a big year this year. But at Ohio State, the trenches is the calling card, and the trenches is what gets you wins well into the postseason. I'm talking Big Ten titles, which they'll make another run at this coming season, and national titles and college football playoff berths and all that. And I also want to make sure we mention this. The last two years... There's been a lot of talk about Ryan Day and about the pressure on him. And you even hear things thrown out about, oh, he's born on third base or, oh, he was, you know, he, if they don't beat Michigan this year, he's on the hot seat. Like, just, I mean, Justin Scott and Edrick Houston are both not from the state of Ohio. I want to make that clear. Meaning Ohio State and the brand that they are and the product Ryan Day has elevated them to or kept them at is what is attracting these kids from out-of-state schools. I mean, Edric Houston, he's in the backyard of Georgia and Alabama and all those SEC schools come out of the state of Georgia. Like, these are kids that a lot of other top schools want on their team, but they choose Ohio State because of Larry Johnson and because of what Ryan Day is doing over there. And I want to make sure we say this. When it comes to Ryan Day, the way that you recruit at Ohio State, yes, there's a piece of it to where you attract top players, but you got to go out and do it too. Like having a big brand just means you got firepower, just means you got some horsepower. I mean, schools at Auburn and Florida are learning that right now. Like they've had individuals in the head coaching spot there before that weren't prioritizing recruiting, that weren't utilizing that brand. They just kind of thought it would happen. You have two guys there that are now going to work on the recruiting trail and they're seeing the dividends. Ryan Day is prioritizing recruiting. And so for that reason, I think there needs to be a little bit more respect put on his name. Just because Ohio State's been cruising altitude for a little bit here doesn't mean he isn't responsible for still steering this plane and landing guys like Edric Houston and like Justin Scott. I mean, his staff that he has in place, you're still responsible for that as the head coach. So like I mentioned, number two class in the entire country. Sounds like they're in good position right now going forward. Landing Edric Houston out of the state of Georgia was huge. Expect that defensive line to once again, in true Larry Johnson, Buckeye fashion, to be nasty for years to come. And with that being the case, expect them to be in that top tier of college football for years to come as well so Ohio State man the way they're the way they're rolling on the recruiting trail should not be overlooked at all at all appreciate everybody tuned in live as we always say if you're listening on podcast man shout out to y'all because there's the show that's live 11 a.m eastern on the YouTube channel Tuesday Wednesday Thursday be a friend tell a friend and those that y'all can make, can make it, we appreciate y'all enormously. This is like the number one source to where we distribute the show. But for y'all that listen on podcasts, it's like y'all are the ones that are in the trenches. I had one of y'all hit me up. Says he works at a golf course in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Shout out to you, man. Shout out to you having us in the AirPods right now or playing us out loud. However you're, however you're listening to the show and listening on podcasts, we're glad to have you here. Appreciate you being locked in. Part of the program, as we like to say. Now, one program guy that needs to get his Heisman back is Reggie Bush. And Reggie Bush, at the time of us being live right now, was reported he is set to file a defamation lawsuit against, an NCAA, against the NCAA for one of their spokespeople in 2021 saying that Bush was involved in a, quote, pay-for-play arrangement. Now, the whole situation with Reggie Bush is pretty well documented. Don't want to jump too far into it. But essentially, Reggie Bush, some things being said about him, he's taken issue with that defamation lawsuit let's get after it is this even a discussion if he has his Heisman given back to him if we give him back his awards 
if if those wins are are unvacated like are we even really having this discussion right now about reggie bush it feels a little bit silly to even talk about the pay for play arrangement what a wild statement given the era of college football that we're in right now you have multiple people that are in high positions of power head coaches lane kiffin saying we're in an era where essentially it is buying players like and we're still having this beef with reggie bush this is still an issue johnny manziel went on twitter when he was talking about what he did after he won the heisman and what reggie bush allegedly did before he won the heisman and he's like this is this is i'll, I'll paraphrase this is ridiculous because of the timeline we're taking away reggie's heisman but i get to keep mine like good for johnny manziel going to bat for, for reggie bush in the era of nil in the era of essentially to put it how other people are saying it pay for play like what are we doing here why does reggie bush not have his heisman back because i'll tell you this us as college football fans y'all that are tuning into the show right now even if you're not a usc fan you believe that reggie bush should have his heisman back i mean the whole thing was kind of ridiculous from the start in my humble opinion i think it was a little bit overkill but it is what it is you can vacate what you want take away the awards take away the heisman we think it's ridiculous but even so man that doesn't vacate it for us as college football fans. We still have memories of Reggie Bush versus Field going behind the back with the football against Fresno State to have his Heisman moment. We still remember him jumping over dudes at UCLA. We still remember the effort he put forth in a loss to Texas in the greatest college football greatest college football game of all time. Like you can vacate it on the field, but you can't vacate what actually happened on the field. And so for, for Reggie Bush going forward, like I don't have a ton of other information around this lawsuit and what's going to happen but i think at the end of the day we all understand reggie bush one of the greatest college football players of all time you hope that at some point in time we all kind of get on the same page here and get aligned and get him his high hole and i don't say we as in us you and i i mean just come on let's let's figure it out here ncaa let's let's get this man his heisman back and we'll keep on rolling right along all right speaking of rolling right along appreciate y'all tuned in live right now Going to get to some of y'all's questions, concerns, takes. As we do at the end of every live show, uh, we're going to go to the live chat and hear from y'all. So to break it all down, keeper of the queue, Nick, heavy lifter break. Nick, how we doing, baby? What's up, man? I think we might have lost them for about two seconds. Okay, so hey, welcome we, uh, back. Just welcome while back. he was teasing me. So if, yeah, if we lost you guys for a second, welcome back to the hard count. Uh, we're glad to have you. There it is. Uh, but JD, uh, we've got some good questions. I'm going to start with the ones kind of... Uh, like at the bottom that are most recent. Mm -hmm. So if, if you all are asking, I will see it, but just get it in as soon as you can. Uh, Reed Shannon has two questions. Uh, JD, who has the best chance of solidifying themselves as a, new, as a new consistent college football contender? Florida State, Tennessee, Texas, or USC? That's a really good question. I'm fascinated by the one school that at this point in time is not switching conferences because USC is going to join the Big Ten, Texas is joining the SEC. I guess Tennessee is already in the SEC, so there's there's that. But I'm, I'm going back to Florida State because if the ACC stays the way it is, and depending on how this college football playoff expansion looks once they give it another makeover, I mean Florida State is going to be in the top two. You would imagine, if not every year, pretty close to every year with the way they're built right now with Mike Norvell. So I think Florida State 
is depending on how they perform this coming season, that could explode. It could kind of have that impact we were talking about on the recruiting trail. Uh, give me Florida State as one of those teams that could be a consistent contender in the college football playoff race, Nick. Great question, though. I love that. I love that. Start, starting out hot, baby. How yeah. about that? Starting and then, out hot. And Reed, who asked that question, followed up by saying, Nick, do you have any eligibility of place kicker? I think UT will take you. Reed, I have to bunt in kickball now because I'm about six years removed from playing football. I've got four screws in my hip from from labral tears. I don't think ten or UT, whichever one you're referring to, uh, would want to have me, JD. Yeah, let's get you out there. I, I think you still <laughs> got some gas in the tank, man. I think there's I, a way. I think there's a way with modern medicine. Oh man, you I know? don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, let, let's figure it out here. Let's, <laughs> let, let's get you back on track. Let's get rolling here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the questions, Reed. Uh, Jonah, Jonah Hall, uh, very close to the old super bad man himself, Jonah yeah. Hill. Yeah. Uh, is there any chance we see Nico this season if Joe Milton struggles, or is it just going to be Joe all the way? J.D., I know your answer here. Yeah, to say, to say there's not a chance would feel like we're being a little bit irresponsible. There's always going to be a chance. He's on the roster, so there's always that potential. But th there is no desire for the people in Knoxville within that building to play Nico Iam Iam we're so close Nick you almost got Iamaliava. it we're going to get that down man golly it's just there's there's so many letters Nico Iamaliava they do not want to play him this coming season why because Joe Milton has waited his turn and he is the definitive leader of that football team and so if he for whatever reason struggles I would I've said this before I would be slow to point the finger at Joe Milton I would say okay what's going on around him because the way this offense is built they want to let him play to his strengths. They're not going to ask him to do a three-step drop and get through four progressions and find his way across the field. Like I'm sure he could po probably do that, but that's not the way this thing is built. They want to run the football, make the defense off balance, create shots for Joe Milton, hit those shots. As long as they're able to run the football, I think you'll see Joe Milton continue to be the quarterback for them. So I think he's going to be the guy to go wire to wire. Is there a chance? There's always kind of a chance, but... You do not want to see Nico Iamaliava playing the game if you're a fan at Tennessee. Meaningful football game, that is, in meaningful minutes uh, this coming season. Let him kind of marinate. Let him get rolling, and he'll be the guy for you for a long time and do some really good things. J.D., uh, the next question coming from Todd Packer out there at the Sabre HQ. Ask J.D., mm. what second-year head coach could get fired if their season is a disaster uh, listed off Napier, Venables. Gee, I don't think any of those guys are going to get fired after their second year. Do you? I, I don't know how you would fire. I mean, the, the question around Billy Napier or Brent Venables, like I, I think Brent Venables is still sort of figuring out how to even be a head coach. And I think he's even talked about that. And I think they're going to be much better this coming season. For Billy Napier, too, I'd have a hard time firing him. Forget the buyout. Look at what he's done on the recruiting trail. If you were to yank Billy Napier out of the equation at Florida, that is a jenga piece that could cause that entire tower of top recruiting talent you've got right now a top five class in the on three industry team recruiting rankings to just completely crumble at the very least it jeopardizes it so i don't think there's anybody you're looking at to really fire i mean we say that before the season so we'll see how bad it is for any number of these second year coaches but i think you give them time and i think the the one issue that we have as a college football landscape is we're not patient enough with some of these head coaches it takes a while to get your guys in. I understand the transfer portal exists. I understand we've seen first-year results from a lot of these guys because of what they do through the portal. Let's be patient. Let's give these guys time. A lot of these guys, too, Nick, it's worth saying, at pretty high-profile spots. I mean, Oklahoma, uh, LSU, who obviously Brian Kelly is nowhere 
I mean, he's, he's not going anywhere. I mean, we talk about uh, Florida, Miami. Uh, there's a lot of high-profile coaches. Oklahoma, like, let's let this thing marinate. Let's let them figure it out. And uh, we'll come back in about a year or so and kind of reevaluate. Let's do it. Uh, Jaden asked a question that we'll I'll have to plug an older video in for this because you, you go into depth on it, J.D., but Jaden just said straight up, J.D., who's going to be in the playoffs at the end of the year? Yeah, well, hey, we're glad to have you here. So yep. welcome to the Absolutely. welcome to the operation. Uh, for me, and we're calling our shot right now, I think it's Georgia. I think it's Michigan. I think it's USC. I think it's Alabama. And I think you have a lot of people putting those first three in their college football playoff, which is, which is fine. Uh, I, I mean, for Alabama, we talked about it earlier in the show. I just I have no interest believing or buying into the idea that Nick Saban somehow has fallen off. Tons of talent still in Tuscaloosa. They're changing the formula. This is right about the time where Nick Saban bounces back and everybody who said he was going to be done or like he was, was on the decline, they usually eat their words at the end of this coming season. So we like Alabama to be that fourth team in the college football playoff. That would, of course, mean that they likely win the SEC. But we'll see what happens when we get there, Nick. I think they're going mm -hmm. to be a force this coming season those are our four uh, but let me know in the chat let me know who y'all's top four is when it comes to the college football playoff it's about that time for people to kind of start calling their shots yep. uh, would love to hear from y'all well uh burley agrees with me and says ready for fsu to put up or shut up <laughs> yeah man that's kind of hey it's kind of the year right like i think they're gonna do it jd they've built to this year i think it was i believe it was reese davis who mm -hmm. put out his top four this year and his fourth team was florida state so I Florida agree. State, man, I could see it. My, my concern with Florida State is the fact that they have LSU to start the year. So I'm worried about that game. And then you probably have to beat Clemson. If you don't beat them twice, you have to see them twice. So yeah. if you drop that first game against LSU and then you beat Clemson, but then you lose the ACC title or some variation of that where you have a second loss, like that is the one issue where you're like, ah, gosh, I, I don't love that path. So, But I love what they have on that roster. I mean, number one in returning production, love where Mike Norvell is. You love what they did in the transfer portal. So on paper, it's all there. But no, Nick, you're right. Like mm -hmm. they've built to a year like this. It's, it's time to see what they can do. JD, uh, we got some time. So uh, since we just hit 100 likes, shout out to that. We keep hey, the streak alive. Let's How go. about we go three more questions? Let's do it, man. I love We've it. got a lot of good ones today love here. Uh, Sean says, and this is a really, this is a good question. If Devin Brown wins the starting job over Kyle McCord, what would happen to Kyle mentally after losing to him and basically losing to yours as well. Does he mentally take a huge hit? Um, what happens career-wise for Kyle McCord if that happens, JD? Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if Kyle McCord, if you can say he lost to Quinn Ewers, but if he were to lose the job to Devin Brown, I've said this previously, I don't think it says as much about Kyle McCord as it does about Devin Brown. Like for Devin Brown to come in and win the job, should that be the case, speaks volumes to his ability. He was the number one player for us here at On3 during the 2022 cycle. So the dude can play some football now. For Kyle McCord, what happens to him career-wise? I hesitate to make any, you know, wild predictions, but I think the law of nature would tell us that Devin Brown being the starting quarterback, Kyle McCord, good enough to play a lot of places, and with Devin Brown being the younger quarterback, it, it would make sense for him to say, okay, finish the year at Ohio State, maybe go look to play somewhere else. So that's always the risk you run then when you have such a talented quarterback room is it's just hard to keep both guys in one spot. But Kyle McCord now, he's also been extremely loyal to Ohio State. He's also a guy that stuck around and backed up C.J. Stroud when he could have gone and played somewhere else. So we'll see what happens there if he doesn't win the job. But regardless, I'm sure they're glad to have both those guys this season. Because you know, Nick, it's, 
you're always a play away. It's, it's, it's cliche, but it's true. You're always a play away from needing another quarterback. And they got two five stars in that room and uh, they're just fine to have it. But thank you again to y'all that are tuned in live and have the over hundred likes. Mm-hmm. Big shout out to y'all making that happen again. The streak rolls on Nick. How about it? JD, how's your knowledge uh, on Syracuse? Uh, you know, I think it's probably par, par for the course. Okay. What do we got? So I'd always wondered how to pronounce this. It, it's it's Dino Babers, right? Dino Babers, yes, sir. Yeah, okay, that's yep. what I thought. So Briley, really trying to quiz you here. Has Dino Babers coached well enough to induce higher expectations, which Syracuse doesn't have the resources to meet, and has he essentially put himself on the hot seat here this season? I don't know if he put himself on the hot seat. I mean, going into last year, he was on the hot seat and, and won seven games, where he won five games the year before. So, I mean, Syracuse, I don't know if he has done enough to promote higher expectations because, I mean, Syracuse, given, you know, the last couple of years, it's, you know, it's been a little bit rocky. So five wins the year before, seven wins this past season. If you can build on that, if you can make another bowl game, get get a bowl win in there, like that would, I think, be enough to kind of keep the good faith rolling. Uh, But we'll see. I mean, Syracuse, at the exact same time, being in the ACC, like you got to put a product on the field that is going to keep you in the, you know, in the conversation of relevance. So, it's it's a bit of a, of a murky situation in my opinion, but but I think Dino Babers has done enough to to not be on the hot seat this coming season. And I think making a bowl game this year uh, is right around what I would expect for Syracuse going forward. Okay, JD. how about that? Get, getting some getting some love for the Orange on here, Nick. Yep, yep. Some upstate New York love for the peeps. <laughs> love it. Upstate wild. Love it. Upstate wild boys, baby. Uh, upstate so magicians. That means I've got one more, right? I one love it. Question. That sounds perfect. Okay, sounds good. This last question coming from your deaf. So mm. I guess it's like your deaf. Interesting. Uh, do you think Ohio State's defense can be top five this year? Hearing reports they are flying around the field, JD. I think they could be top five. I think top ten's probably a fair place to, to stand on Ohio State. The bottom line, if they're in that top ten range, like Ohio State's going to be back in the college football playoff because you look the last two years – at their two losses to Michigan, in both those games, you kind of look at the defense and the way that they broke down in, in the second half. I mean, C.J. Stroud went for over 300 yards in both those games. Now, there was you know some drives you'd like to finish a little bit differently, but even so, man, the defense in those games did not hold up their end of the bargain. The reason why I'm optimistic about what they're going to be this coming season, we talked about it through the portal. They've improved. The secondary, got Jahad Carter, got Davison Igbenosum. And they're going to be much better back there, in my opinion, from a talent standpoint. The bigger piece of this, though, second year in the Jim Knowles defense. And we talk about Jim Knowles as a mad scientist when it comes to defense at the collegiate level. Like, it's a hard defense to execute. It's a hard defense to be instinctively in tune with. So now going into their second year, they talk about it right now in Columbus, and we'll see what what happens when rubber meets the road. But they talk a lot about not just knowing what to do, but being able to not even have to think about what they have to do and just playing football. When you can kind of take the training wheels off, you don't have to think, okay, actually I have this guy on this play and I'm in this zone right now. Like when you can just cut it loose and play, good things happen because then your talent takes over. And they have a lot of talent on that defense at Ohio State. So to answer the question, top five, we'll see. If they can be top 10 though, I think they're a college football playoff team. JD, man. Good stuff, Nick. Yeah, I guess that, that sounds like it's it. Good stuff, man. Well, Nick, I appreciate you, brother. What do you say we come back on here and uh, do it tomorrow morning? I don't know, 11 a.m. Eastern. Sound good? Yep, let's do it. Sounds good. Again, Nick Bray, keeper of the queue. Doing everything you see here, man. Keeping up with the live chat, producing the show. Got all the cameras set. Like, 
one-man wrecking crew. We appreciate him enormously, a program guy through and through. Appreciate y'all enormously for tuning in. We're getting these, these, these Wednesday shows rolling right now, so make sure you tell all the friends, like, hey, Tuesday, yes, Thursday, yes, we always had those, but Wednesday now, we're rocking and rolling. We got college football on the television screen this coming Saturday. Let's get fired up, man. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. I'm J.D. Pacquiao. We're going to keep this party rolling, and we will see y'all next time.